Greetings program, hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie-by-minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. This is Minute 46. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and returning with me today is my trustworthy, rugged, and dependable guest co-host, Jack Stovold. Welcome, Jack. Thank you. Glad to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you back. to be in the system. (laughs) On the grid, in the system. I'm on the grid. I'm in the system. It's real, and it's spectacular. Excellent. Now, I forget if we went through this last time but do you remember the first time you saw tron um i don't actually know it, it was just uh it was probably like just something we rented when i was yeah i don't know probably 10 or something yeah for sure I like i don't remember specifically the first time i saw it but it was something that we periodically watched yeah, that's where it got its real, I guess, second life after it didn't do too well in the theaters. Is It was rented a tremendous amount. It came out in that perfect sweet spot to just get rented over and over and over again. Yeah, that's, that's primarily it. how I remember it. And then once the DVD age began, it's like, oh, Tron's on DVD. Let's get it. Yeah, yeah. I've got the Blu-ray here that I watch for getting director's commentary notes, and geez, it is so crisp and so beautiful. Wow. Yeah, I would love to see that version. Christmas is over, but uh, if you just want to send me a present, give me like a Tron Blu-ray. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, I would love it. I would love you for doing that. <laughs> All right, let's go over what happens in minute 46 here. Our heroes escape in their light cycles and tanks get activated to pick up the chase after the recognizers fail in their task. Fools. So, let's see. Fools! Uh, we see the light cycles speeding along their escape route while our recording says, Game warriors escaping game grid. This is an illegal exit. You must return to the game grid. Repeat, this is an illegal exit. You must oh return to the... <laughs> which is they're something us- i th- was that they're using it they're using a game genie a game genie yeah i'm not sure what that is what's a game genie oh well like back in the uh the nintendo or the super nintendo days um yeah galoob the toy company galoob created something called a game genie okay which is a cartridge that goes into the Nintendo or the Super Nintendo, which you then plug the game cartridge into. Oh. And you can put in a bunch of numeric codes, which will let you manipulate the game, basically. Like, the codes hack into the game, and Galoob would periodically publish, like, you know, here's a book of codes you can use to, like, hack the game. Like, if you're playing Mario Brothers... You put in this like twenty digit code and you're invincible or something. Oh wow. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And yeah, that's you, super cool. You could put in like your own random codes and try it and like all sorts of crazy things would happen because it would manipulate the code of the original <laughs> game. <laughs> oh man, that sounds fantastic. I have to look that up. Oh, Game Genie was it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. That's all. That's awesome. Uh, 
Oh, cool. So we uh, see the bikes come out of the tunnel that they're in. And this is something we were going over in the last minute. Um, the first collision with the wall created this crack in the arena. And as they're escaping through the crack, it's like they're driving for about a mile, but they uh, are two kilometers. And I was wondering, like, is the crack in the wall two kilometers long? And uh, on the last minute, it wasn't quite clear. But here where we see them exit, we can see that, yeah, they're coming out of the crack, the same shape. So somehow this, this collision created like a two kilometer long crack in the wall. And I was wondering... Like, what kind of collision could that be? You know, it's like it's erased everything on the horizontal until the block ends. And if that happens every time a bike hits a wall, they should have quicker ways to repair that kind of thing. I mean, the, <laughs> the, the point of the game is to run your opponents into the jet wall or the side of the arena, right? So I think there'd be more structural integrity to the walls. What is going on here? Yeah, who knows? But maybe he hit the wall just right or something. I don't know. Yeah. It would have been, no, it would have been, what's that? It's a glitch. It's, it's a glitch. Yeah. 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 Or it would have been neat to see Tron kind of reach out of his bike and put a special code breaker thing on the nose of the blue bike that would like spear the wall and somehow glitch the wall out. I don't know. That's a long crack in the wall. Yeah. That game genie code. You put in a game genie code. That's what it is. It's game genie. It's game genie wall crackers. <laughs> Then they uh, they turn out of the crack onto a ribbed corridor as the recording keeps playing over and over again. And uh, we can see, this is something that's interesting that I didn't notice until now, is that the front tires of the bikes are basically spheres with the ends cut off. Spheres s- spheres with the ends cut off. Yeah. Yeah, so they're... The, like, like what is the just... end of a sphere? I don't... That doesn't make <laughs> sense to me. That's a really good point. That's the wrong term to use. Uh, like they've taken off the top fifth of. Okay, uh, so they're just they're just the balls basically with like the top and the bottom shaved off. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the back um, is almost like two D. Like the the back tire is like a record or like a thick CD or something like that. Okay. So their bodies wouldn't actually fit in there. Their torsos would fit in the front part, but their legs wouldn't fit in the back. So it's kind of an interesting design that we all just kind of go with, or maybe they actually become part of the bike or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's the world of Tron, so like it's definitely... like They don't have physical bodies, so when they're in the bike, they are the bike, basically, or something, maybe. Yeah, they, they hybridize with the bike. I could see right. that happening. And they uh, they head out over a plane that's got a big red grid on it. And Ram says, gold two to gold three. Those demons are coming down. <laughs> Which I thought was a pretty colorful way to refer to the recognizers. I'm like, demons? Oh my gosh. That sounds pretty yeah, bad. Yeah, it's, a, it's pretty Star Wars-y at this moment. Yeah, it is with the camera angles and everything and... Yeah. And also everybody's saying gold two to gold three. I keep hearing gold yeah. leader, red leader, you know. Red five standing by. That's right. Red lobster standing by. All those. <laughs> you start a thread like that on the internet, you get like 85 replies. 
Uh, let's see. As the recognizers hum their fantastic hum, um, they, just, they, they, turn, they come around the corner and descend to catch the bikes. And that sound was made on the uh, Prophet 5 synthesizer I think we've talked about before. It was a helicopter sound preset that they warped and modulated to get this fantastic pulsing travel engine sound on the recognizers. Really? Yeah. It's re- I love the stuff they do in movies, like the stories you hear about how they get the sounds that they get. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know who the sound guy is in Tron, but like... Frank you know, Serafine ben, was... Frank Serafino, okay. Yeah. Like Ben Burt in Star Wars, the stories behind all those iconic sounds you hear are just yeah. fascinating. It's like, ah, oh, how did you think about that? Or... <laughs> The uh, the Godzilla roar, for example. What was the Godzilla roar? Uh, I forget the exact details, but it's basically somehow like a, it's like a a glove, like saturated in some kind of oil, like rubbing itself over like a metal wire. Oh my so, gosh! <laughs> it's like, yeah. How did you think of that? How did you? I mean, I'm sure they're just messing around, but like, yeah, where, like, how did that pop into your mind to do that? You know, I imagine it's something like, like that was probably try number, you know, 86. Yeah. And then that's the one that worked. We're like, we tried nails in a blender, you know, we tried this, (laughs) we tried that. Turns out the glove on the wire there, that's the one that worked. Or I wonder if they spend weekends just rubbing weird things together and yeah, seeing like, what happens. Yeah, like these sound guys, I feel like they're just like walking around all the time in their free time off just like thinking of the crazy sh- like I wonder what kind of sound this would make if I did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, well, they also see they like, they hear the world much more than than we do. Like yeah. I remember I was walking around with a sound designer in California and we were standing next to a concrete wall on the beach and there was a helicopter in the sky and he was like wait stop for a second stop i was like what's what's happening he's like listen listen (laughs) and he's like here you hear the way the helicopter is hitting this concrete wall and then like not bouncing off the sand it's a very strange flattening sound here and i was like oh yeah i do actually i do (laughs) i hear it like yeah but i I wouldn't have otherwise i would not have yeah yeah, never would have occurred to me otherwise. That's cool. Yeah, they 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 definitely experience the world in a different way. It's weird. Uh, the recognizers aren't really going as fast as I think they'd be able to travel, but I love the way that they're banking and curving. You, you think they'd be able to zoom along a lot quicker than they do? I guess yeah, them going it, it, so slow kind of makes them a little more majestic and monolithic and a little a little scarier and a little more like with a finality to them, but. Yeah, it's, it's like video game physics. I yeah. So just as they're about to come down on the bikes, the bikes go into a little mouse hole tunnel and the recognizers collide with the wall. But it's unexpected because the recognizer one almost hits the wall and is repelled back like two of the same poles on two magnets getting close to each other kind of thing. And then the second recognizer looks like it's going to collect collide with the first recognizer and the same thing happens. They just kind of shove each other around with their repulsor fields without touching each other as they oscillate to a rest. It's a really cool choice. I remember, yeah. I, I mean, it, 
I really it's something I remember from the first time I saw the movie because 82 that's all a team night rider like if a car gets a a nudge then it explodes you know like yeah. that's any exactly. bad guy that fails in a chase drives off a cliff and blows up or whatever yeah. and, it's the Hans Molman car yeah <laughs> just tap it and it explodes yeah <laughs> So it's very, to have them collide and explode would seem kind of like the obvious choice, but they do this strange magnetic dance, which I guess, I mean, it's a safety feature for them, mm. but it's also like, uh, I guess it saves the computer from doing anything complex. Right. Just having them sort of rub into each other like that is, Yeah. Can see that saving a lot of time on the rendering side of things rather than an explosion or whatever. Then we get a pretty good mid shot of Sark looking at the maze, and we get one of the two major cameo Easter eggs in the film. Yes, <laughs> here we are. You get to be this is the, the big no. One. I was so excited, like, um, the minutes you gave me, I was like, yeah. Oh my god, these minutes, <laughs> like, these are the ones. That I would have asked for. Um, these are some Excellent. great minutes. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah. Pac-Man cameo. It's, yeah, Pac-Man cameo. Which is, um, you know, I, I've seen this movie many, many times. It's something I did not pick up on until relatively recently. Like my yeah. last few viewings, probably. Like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. And and once, it, once, you, once you see it, you can't not see it. It's super obvious. And the yeah, sounds are all there. Yeah, even the sound is there. Yeah, yeah, and the and the maze. Wap, 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 wap. <laughs> waka, 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 waka. <laughs> yeah, and it's clear, like it's so clear, like in the maze that Sark is yeah. looking at is just like it's just that there's a, a huge Pac-Man, and it was uh-huh. moving. Um, it's moving slower than it did in the actual game. Yeah, it's got like an eight frame cycle instead of a two frame cycle. Also, but yeah, this. Like, it's wild. Yeah, trapped in, trapped in a room that you wouldn't see in Pac-Man. Like, Pac-Man's yeah. too big to get out of that room. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I remember it was the same thing with me. Like, it was the third time I saw it after somebody had told me, did you see Pac-Man? I was like, what? No, I would have noticed that. And then, I was, oh my gosh, it's right there. <laughs> it's Jesus, right yeah. there. <laughs> right there, yeah. It's like, how did I never see this before? Yeah. And then uh, Sark says, oh, that's cool. They, uh, yeah, and they put it in there. This is one of those things where they didn't ask Namco. Or was it Bondi? No, it was Namco, I think. That no, it's Namco, Pac-Man. yeah. But they didn't ask. They just sort of put it in there. And uh, it got in. I'm sure Namco was cool with it. Like, yeah, it's free publicity in a Disney yeah, movie, I'm recognize. sure. Recognize. Yeah. Yeah, it's an homage, right? Yeah. It's a movie about video games. That was the biggest one at the time. Yeah. Uh, so what do we got? Sark says, uh, get them. Send out every game tank in the grid. Get them! And slaps a lieutenant in the chest, knocking him to the ground. It's funny, because as he falls to the ground, there's like a Pac-Man death sound effect. And he flares ultra red as he hits the floor. It's a bit, it's a bit slapsticky, but it's a nice moment. Mostly because Warner is so intense here. He's just really get them, 
it's so he just all these scenes where he's wearing you know a sleeping bag that's been made into a costume and these weird <laughs> you know cardboard things taped to the side of his head and he's still got gravitas you know i, I want to talk about david warner later but for sure oh for baby sure. yeah <laughs> so we get a, a little light cycle pov as the bikes go down the middle lane of what looks like a tank garage row after row of tanks I imagine that's probably the thing in this Tron world. Like if you make, it's like you're living in a computer. So if you make one thing, you can automatically exponentially copy a billion of them. Right. Yep. But I guess memory, memory would be the only consideration. Like I would have not too many polygons or whatever, or not too much detail, but you could, your only limit is the size of the hard drive or whatever. And then Flynn says, oh, man, I should never have written all those tank programs. (laughs) Which is, I guess, what he did for one of the games that Flynn made. Wasn't one of them called, like, Tank Attack or something? I think so. Yeah. So that was probably, he probably wrote all these these tank programs. And that's, so he's getting hoist on his own petard. He's getting chased by his own own creations. Oh, Flynn. What hubris you entertain. You... Fool. You fool. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that's like... Oh, yeah, the guy that invented the guillotine got executed by guillotine. Yeah, okay. I've heard that. Is, is, is that really true? or? Um... Oh, I know, it's true, yeah. But that was, okay. like, after the revolution, when they were right. kind of, like, going... They were just... Like, guillotine were, everybody. Yeah, it was like 15 a day. It was like, we ran out so, of the people that were actually causing offenses. It's like, okay, well, let's find some more. <laughs> like, uh, okay, where are we going with this exactly? The guy who invented this thing is a monster. <laughs> He's the one that's made us do all this stuff. <laughs> Wait, what? What? <laughs> and as they're, uh, as, they're, as they're driving through this terrifying alley of dormant tank programs... Uh, two of them pulse white and start to drive forward. And I guess a tank crew has been transported inside the tank to drive it. Like, I don't see a crew scrambling around here to get into the tank. So I guess... Yeah, couple... I think, like, in this in the world of Tron, they could just... Yeah, just pop them in there. Just get transported into the tanks and have them activate it. Yeah. yeah no, that no. makes sense go on i'm sorry no it would make sense yeah it would make sense it'd be cool to see that i'd like a shot of that i would like a shot of the cockpit of the tank and a couple of drivers just rezzing in and then grabbing the controls and then we see the the tank come to life that would have been cool yeah they don't show that but i guess it's implied it's implied yeah for sure what are the uh you kept saying the you know the big arch fighter thing is what are they called recognizers recognizes okay they're essentially the tie fighters of tron yeah and i've always thought of them that way like they've always been very cool very ominous to me yeah yeah no they're really they're really they nailed that one because that's the one that that's the design i've mentioned it before that's the design that has not changed since initial concept yeah it's like very iconic like when i think of tron i think of those things and they they have that same uh, feeling to me as a TIE fighter. It's just like a evil 
thing, a weapon of yeah. the bad guys. They got the big pincers. They got all that weight. They're very ominous looking. Like, it can't be a good guy vehicle. This can't be a good guy no, vehicle. Like, no, no, not know. at all. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. Great design. It's supposed to kind of look like a gorilla, is what I've heard. Like, okay, a little, I could see that. Yeah, a little tiny head, but then big arms dangling down or whatever. Right. Yeah. Gorillas often uh, vilified because of their vilified. appearance. Because of their appearance, although they are the the kindest and gentlest of the great apes. Yeah, yeah. Regardless of their bonkers strength, they're so strong. Yeah, but uh, chimps. Chimps are the real villains, but they <laughs> yeah. they look so cute. They look so cute, but they can literally tear your face off. They're yep. uh, and they're they do, not. and they do. Yeah, and we get some really cool Wendy Carlos music starting up here. Mm. Called, uh, oh yeah from the ring game and escape is the name of the track so it's one they're sort of using from the earlier ring game as well yeah now i just the windy car once we get into the system the windy carlos yeah. music gets off the chain yeah and yeah i love it it's just it's on my phone it's part of the huge playlist i have but like randomly i will hear tron songs on shuffle pretty often and awesome nev- never unhappy yeah for sure like, oh boy this one yeah we get a great windshield shot uh like a windshield cycle shot like a, in the winch like that you know looking in the windshield at flynn and he's so intense here he's shaking and he's like oh gosh as he like threads his way through the tanks as they pull out of their parking spots directly into the way of the cycles so they have to like scooch around them what I'm not- what I'm noticing right now though is that the the unactivated tanks they're just all like turquoise low poly shapes with a texture painted on them. Yeah. Like they don't get round edges or bulges or detail until they're activated, which is super cool. I mean, I guess that's just because of the uh like the actual limitations of the computer that was rendering these shots. But I, it's cool to think that that's also like a, uh, a like a, a limitation of the MCP's mainframe at this point in time that, as well. Uh, that is cool. I hadn't even really thought about or noticed that, but it's yeah, that's definitely a thing you see in video games, especially like 3D. Yeah, like the the early PS1 or N64 era, like things yeah, that even... aren't ready things get things start to look good when they need to move and until then they don't or they're like yeah. shrouded in fog or whatever yeah level of detail that's called a, a lod model level of detail model where it's like it's only got like 15 polys if it's far away and then as it gets closer it gets more and more detailed and the the trick is to make that transition not jarring obvious yeah yeah because if it's like 20 feet away it's low poly but 10 feet away it's a little higher you'll get a snap where it'll just like suddenly be more detailed and it kind of breaks your immersion yeah but that's yeah this look like really low poly tanks right so that was kind of cool i didn't notice that either until going through this but i like it yeah so ram is the last to wind in between the two tanks and uh we get a shot we get a shot now from the ground looking up at the tank as a and it come as it comes forward with Ram's cycle in the foreground, and the tank looks 
huge here. It looks bigger than it did in the last shot, but maybe that's just perspective. I'm not sure. Um, so th- this time around, I didn't watch the whole movie before I did these minutes. No worries. Which is, um, like every time I watch Tron, I'm always a little confused about things. Ram is Bruce Boxleitner, right? Oh, sorry. No, Ram is Dan Shore. Oh, okay. Oh, Bruce, Bo- Bruce Boxleitner is Tron. Yeah, that's right. Right, right. Okay, okay. Sure. Yeah. And then, so. uh, and then, yeah, Jeff Bridges is Flynn. But, yeah, so the last guy, the sort of sidekick actuarial program guy, that's Ram. That's, uh, that's Dan Shore. Okay. And he's bringing up, bringing up the rear, I think, in this, in this chase. It's Flynn first, then Tron, then Ram. Right. And, and we I get a shot of it. What's that? No, I was just saying, I think I mentioned the last time I was on the show how um, confused I always am when I watch this movie about who is who. Yeah. Like, I really have to pay attention, especially when in the Tron world, because they're all like washed out and black and white looking and they all look the same, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was, yeah, it was a real challenge. I mean, we've got into it before, but. Uh... What is it? Jeff Bridges and Bruce Boxleitner are the exact same height. Yeah. Yep. And they got a similar physique. And conceptually, they were supposed to be very different types of people, but they ended up casting two people that could stunt double each other, really, yeah. in a pinch. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, we get a shot of the tank driver. One of the tank drivers glowing. He's glowing like a cyan, green, turquoise kind of color. And he says. Targets leaving protected field, and we get a monochrome tank battle zone style targeting display POV shot of the fleeing cycles as they start going into the hallway. I'm not really sure what protected field means, but I, I assume it means that there's no firing of tank projectiles inside the tank holding pens. Which right. Is probably, I think that's a pretty safe precaution, I think, <laughs> you know? Yeah. To keep them from shooting each other. So the tanks fire their chevrons at the banks and they're missing over and over again, as is the way, hitting the hitting the walls of the hallway around the bikes with these psychedelic colors. Really, really lots of colors going on with these explosions. Okay, and, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I wrote down, like how explosions look, which I love because they, yeah. are, they are not real explosions. They're video game explosions with yeah. like they're, you know, concentric rings of red. It's really cool. I yeah, it. I love I love those concentric rings. And I wonder if those jagged craters left in the walls are also like two kilometers deep. <laughs> right. How far do those cracks go? Mm-hmm. The uh, these driver. Walls. Yeah. These walls. The driver of the tank, though, I can't tell right now if it's Eric Cord or Charlie Pacerni because the way the credits are on IMDb, it's just like guard. You know, it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> say exactly who they are so i've had to go through and look at their faces and sort of find images and see if this is them from 20 years ago or whatever so we'll see i think i'll i'll narrow it down in the next uh in the next couple of minutes we'll see how it goes um, uh, also like the guy saying targets leaving protective field yeah is very to me it was very reminiscent of like line readings and the trench run of star wars as well like yeah 
switch to targeting computer. It sounded like that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. All these British extras being dubbed <laughs> over by Americans. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's funny. Um, and that brings us sort of close to around to sort of the end of this minute. Um, right. The novel and the screenplay, I like to go over the differences there. And there's not much of a difference. The only difference is that in the screenplay, the small room they go into that turns out to be full of tanks is clearly labeled game storage. Game so, storage. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm glad I left that out. I'm not sure exactly what they meant by that. But... Yeah, I guess that's where they keep all the tanks. I suppose that's where they keep all the vehicles, like the, all the, the garage for all the video game vehicles. I don't know. Right. Well, there you go. I guess that takes us to the end of minute 46. Do that. What do you, do you want to tell our listeners where people can find you? If they want to hear more. Sure. Well, I, I, um, I did want to talk about David Warner and how much I love him a little bit. And that ties into. Oh, where do we? Me. I don't know if he's in the uh, next minutes. That I don't much. think. He, yeah, we should do it now if he's not in the next minutes. Yeah. Um. Uh, David Warner is Bay. <laughs> he's so good. Um, he's so good. Um, it's actually like things that I have loved since I was a child. Like so many things, Dave David Warner has been in. So I just kind of got this sense that, like, oh, David Warner is a famous person that everybody knows. And then as I grew up, I realized that's not the case because he's no. really only in these, like, genre things. Yeah. But, uh, like, so many things I absolutely loved as a kid, like, involved David Warner. Mm-hmm. Um, he's Rachel Ghoul in Batman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. Like he, he has such a great voice. He's a great voice actor. Um, yeah. And he has like two great roles in the Star Trek franchise, which of course. That's right. I podcast about. Um, so he, he he's like a fun character in one of the crappiest Star Trek movies, Star Trek V. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> He, yeah, yeah, because he, he's one of the Klingons, right? He's not a Klingon. He is actually a human. He's one of the only people you ever see smoking in the entire Star Trek franchise. Oh, I get that. You know, I get him mixed up with Christopher Plummer because I yeah, know he. I, I, I could see that. No, no okay. A, uh, no, he is a Klingon. Okay. Yeah, he is a Klingon, right? He's he's Chancellor Gorkon in Star Trek Six. That's right. That's right. But he's also like a human ambassador in Star Trek V on this like crappy desert planet where a Romulan and a Klingon and a human ambassador meet like every year in this oh like gosh. low rent like poor man's Tatooine bar. <laughs> Nimbus this is three. So long, so long since I've seen that movie. I want to check yeah, that you, out again. You wow, it's <laughs> or yeah. should I? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's great in it. But yeah, he's also, he is the Klingon, like, a Klingon trying to usher in a new era of peace between That's right. uh, the Federation and the Klingon Empire in Star Trek Six, and he's mm-hmm. great in that role. 
And then he's also a Cardassian in Star Trek The Next Generation. That's right. In the in that uh iconic episode with Yeah. The, there are four, four lights. lights. Yeah. yeah. Tor- tortures uh Captain Picard. Classic two parter, right? Mm-hmm. Chain of command. And yeah, he's Rachel Ghoul. And then he's just he's just in a lot of other stuff. Like David Warner, I love I love this guy. Yeah. Yeah. But he's a he's, real real seal of quality on a movie when you know that he's in the movie you're like oh boy oh boy yeah exactly and yeah like i i think i did mention this in the, the last time i was on this show like how he's basically playing like three roles in this movie yeah it's like three yeah. characters <laughs> yeah which is awesome yeah um, he didn't uh he didn't mix with the cast very much which is too bad the cast mostly palled around and uh you know, hung out together, but he kept to himself and just kind of stayed in his dressing room and only came out for his scenes. Not like in a, not like in a, I hate you guys kind of way, but just in like a a very British professional way kind of thing. Yeah. He's a, like a journeyman British professional actor. And also within this movie, like most of his scenes are not really with any of the principal actors of the movie. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I love him, and I always, like, it's, it's just something I've recently come to understand, like, when I say, like, David Warner, I say that to people, and they're like, Who, who's David Warner, who you're talking yeah. about? Like, doesn't everybody know about David Warner? Like, who's David Warner? What are you, <laughs> joking? You know. <laughs> like, they really don't, and then when I think about it, it's like, oh, he just says these minor roles, but, like, they're really important roles. To be yeah, when I so. think about his roles, I think of, like five roles and it's like oh time travel movie star trek tron uh, it's like oh this is all kind of niche actually now that i think about it yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah. uh just just wanted to put that out there love the guy love him to death oh. always down for some more with david warner praise that's for sure yeah um but yeah okay so um I have a lot of podcasts out there, actually, if you want to find me. Um, speaking of Star Trek, I have a show called Reopening the Wormhole. It's a DS9 show. We're finished. We did all the episodes of the show, but we're still, you know, we're going to periodically put out new stuff. Check that out, reopeningthewormhole.com. Cool. Uh, we talked about apes in this episode. I'm an ape mm-hmm. man. That's right, gorillas. Gorillas, chimps. Theapecast.libson.com. Uh, we're talking about as many pieces of media involved in the Planet of the Apes franchise, plus every month bonus episodes about other movies with apes in them. <laughs> the Apecast. Check it out. And uh, I also do a Star Trek Discovery podcast, which will soon expand into covering the new Picard show that's coming out. That's right. So it's a Jack Silly Little Friendly Neighborhood Star Trek Discovery and Short Treks and Picard podcast. Yeah, probably by the time this is out, Picard will already be happening. So Yeah, that's right. Um yeah talking about Excellent. Picard 
talking about short treks, talking about discovery, and I'm loving it. <laughs> That's I'm looking forward to it too. And if you want to get in touch with us, go down to Tronologically Speaking dot com or same on twitter same on gmail or join us on facebook at the chronologically speaking minute by minute listeners page and uh as always i'm sure you'll agree nice shout out to the star wars minute and those guys that started it all and go on over to movies by com and see if your favorite movie is there and if it isn't consider doing it yourself because it's a lot of fun do you want to try a little end of line on three? Mm-hmm. Okay. One, two, three. End of, end line. of line. <laughs>